0: here we're excited about getting to heaven but then we talked about grace mercy stepped in Jesus paid it all and I can only imagine if you don't know Jesus this morning today's your day today is a day of salvation and these altars are for you this morning to kneel down and ask Jesus into your heart that's all it takes And then you're ready to go to heaven. Walk for him, live for him, and you'll get to walk the streets of gold with him. Hallelujah.
1: Yes
2: There's a lot of people missing today and don't want to make a big thing of it, a lot of them' is on little trips, and vacations and camping and different things. And I praise God they can get together and get out, kind of have a little fellowship and rejoice together. but today I would like to I don't know if it's going to upset you. Connie, I'd like for you and Bob to stand with your grandson and them, those that's with you and uh, he's going to service, I think, was that tomorrow? Yeah, Yeah. praise God, Josh. So, you know what, church? I want you to see him because I want you to remember him in prayer. And I want you to pray for him. God's going to watch over him. Praise God. This is the one that Connie's been praying. Praise God. Praise God, Josh. Thank you. Just wanted to recognize him. We are living in a strange time, and like Elizabeth said, everybody don't do everything right. We don't do everything right. Our nation obviously ain't doing things right a lot of times, but I also know that God's got to over help us. He's got to come in and guide us, and we need him, and I don't care who you are. I don't care how strong you are. I don't care how how wise you are. I don't care how we can get the wisest people together we cannot fix our problems because our problems are deep inside it's that we don't know Christ and we don't stay close to him staying close to him is how you will be victorious they started out Ryan you start out victory in Jesus or uh, he's talking about victory we all get to heaven but it's victory it's victory when we get there how many knows we got to finish the race? Amen. It's hard sometimes to stand and encourage people in hard times. But I want you to know something. God put this on my heart this week, and I believe it's for this purpose. Because we can talk about the downs of everything all the time, and God doesn't want us in the blues. He don't want the church sitting around whining and complaining he wants us to understand the day that we live in and he also wants us to have our faith aligned with him what do you believe what do you really hold on to are you holding on to the they get trump back in or are you holding on to they get somebody that you like that's going to change things back or put things in the order that you want them you know what you're looking at the wrong place because we have an overcomer his name is jesus and if we don't see that today and if we don't put our faith in him we're going to find ourselves wondering about worrying all the time and you know you think you're strong enough and you think you got enough things in your corner that you're taking care of you might have your money in the bank you might have your home paid for you might have uh, already retired you might have a good job you might have whatever But you know what? Nothing is secure without him. I don't know how people live without Jesus. I don't know how that, you know, they look at us like them people need to get a life. They just go to church and praise God every week. I'm going to tell you something. You don't know what life is until you find Jesus. It is not what this world is doing. It is not what you think you're going to fulfill inside of you. Because God has the plan and knows how to fulfill every one of us. He let you come into this life. He could have stopped it. But no, he gives us life and life more abundantly. And praise God, he has great patience, great love. I want to get on to something here. <clears throat> and I want to talk about it. It's first thing I want to read is in, in, it's in Numbers, the 14th chapter. You don't have to turn there if you don't. I'm going to read two verses. But I want to tell you something. Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb was one of the, the two of the, of the 12 that went, that God told Moses to tell them to go and spy out the land. They had left Egypt. God had showed them all these things, He had done many mighty miracles, He had brought them to the promised land the first time. And when God got him there, he already knows what's inside of us. So God knows what needs to happen. So what does he do? He tells Moses, you pick one of every tribe and you send them across spies into the land and spy out this land that I've already promised Abraham, your forefather, 400 and something years ago. He's already promised the land to Israel. Now think about it. I know Israel's been in bondage for 400 years. They've come out of bondage. Now they've come and been delivered by a mighty hand. God has done miracles and brought them. But here they send the 12 spies in. And 10 of them come back and say, yes, it has all that stuff that we knew. Milk and honey flowing. But there's giants in the land. We can't take that land. It's too big. We can't do it. Listen to these two. Joshua and Caleb rise up. And they reaffirm to the unbelieving ten spies, the Lord is with us. Listen to this. If the Lord delights in us, verse 8 of Numbers 14, then he will bring us into this land and give it us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Their defense is departed from them and the Lord is with us, fear them not. How many hears what that's saying? Joshua and Caleb has still got inside of them the promises of Abraham. They still got inside of them that when Moses came and brought them out of Egypt and promised them that they were going to the promised land, the promised land belonged to them. How many holds on to that? You know what, when God promises you eternal life, you might as well look for the rapture. It's going to happen. You might as well stay in tune with God. You need to keep that inside. Quit letting the enemy and even beliefs in churches tell you it's okay to sit back and do nothing. Because I'm telling you, we're on a mission and we're going home. Amen. And we got to keep that inside of us. It says in Deuteronomy, all the way up in Deuteronomy, four. Fourth chapter to 44th verse. Sounds a little funny, but I want you to hear it. It says, and this is the law which Moses set before the children of Israel. What am I saying? Listen to me. You you remember, after the spies, back in Numbers, after the spies refused to believe, what did God do? He said, all of those 20 and older, all those 20 and older will die in the wilderness before I take you to the promised land. I mean, here's what I'm saying. God says, I'm removing it from these unbelieving people. There's people today you've got to understand. Don't fall into the unbelievers. Don't fall into that crowd that says, oh, no, it ain't going to happen. Oh, no, it's too powerful. Oh, no, God can't change it. God's leading this nation to the place where he's going to do what God's going to do. He's leading the nations around Israel to the place where he's going to do what he's going to do. God is going to have his way and his will, and all nations will see it, even America. I don't care how big they think they are. But it says here, here is Moses not talking to that generation. That 40 years have gone by, and now you're talking... To the next generation. And Moses is told. What's he told to tell them? Reaffirm to these younger ones. 20 and young, uh, and under that have grown up. 40 years have gone by. So they're 60 and, and under. But he's reaffirming to them. Because they're the generation. They're the younger generation. That's going into the promised land. How many? Here's what I'm saying. Now listen to me elders. We have had a A battle doing what God has told us to do in this nation. We have had a battle even as Christians. The Christian nation has let down somewhat. God will not move if you're half in and half out. I mean, here's what I'm saying. God's not going to move for me if my idea is sit down and let somebody else go do it. God wants to see something inside of me that says, I believe God, I trust God, I'm going to do what God tells me to do. If I get embarrassed, if I look stupid, I've looked stupid many times, so I might not worry about it now, Jim, I've, I've stepped into that hole many times. But the truth is, God knows where I'm at, and he knows what's in my heart, and he knows me well enough to know whether I'm obeying him or I'm just looking for a way around it. He knows you too. I know you just look at me, but I'm telling you, he knows you too. But Moses is trying to put this covenant and the law into this next generation. Wherever the elders have failed them, and that generation before Israel, they had failed them. They had failed to believe God. We cannot fail to believe. When I say that, I'm not picking at everybody that's a little bit older listen to me you're part of the remnant you're part of those that have stood faithful there's many Christians here that it's elder people that have stood faithful and true to what God has told them to do it's why we have a church it's why the spirit of God draws us together to worship and draws us together to learn of him but can I tell you we need to hand this gospel to the fighters because the next generation is going to have to fight this battle We're too old, some of us are, to get in there and crawl around and fight with what they're doing. But I can tell you right now, our young have to take the stand. If that generation that's coming up doesn't take the stand, the gospel of God will wipe this nation out. He will judge this nation, America. I don't care what kind of name we used to have. If we don't keep the name that God told us to keep, then we will fail and we will fall. Israel failed and Israel failed. Who are we any better? But I want you to hear this. Moses rises up to tell them. In this fourth chapter, and he's recapping all at the beginning of Deuteronomy. But he's coming to a place here where the elders have all died. And Moses is telling the next generation they're going to go into the promised land. And he says, and this is the law which Moses set before the children of Israel. These, it's verse 44. These are the testimonies, statues, judgments which Moses spake to the children of Israel after they came out of Egypt. Now listen to these. I'm going to skip down to verse 48. From Aurora, which which is by the bank of the river Arnon, even unto Mount Sion, which is Hermon, and all the plain on this side, Jordan, eastward, even into the sea of the plain under the springs of pisgah now how how many loves to hear stuff like that you don't know who i'm talking about a lot of times you don't know these names but i want to tell you something real clear from this aurora and this arnon river arnon is about halfway down on the dead sea now i want you to hear this the dead sea is down here and then there's Jerusalem up off the top of the Dead Sea there. And then you keep going up to Jordan, and you go through the Sea of Galilee, and then you go above that, and you get to Mount Hermon. Hear what I'm saying? Now, these, these two verses here covered a whole lot, but it's talking about how they came from the east side. They haven't taken the promised land yet, but God has brought his people to that place, and they have conquered this east side of the Jordan River. They have taken the land. I mean, here's what I'm saying. But they ain't crossed over yet. They're not going to cross over if, they're, if they were the 20 and older. So God's waiting on them to pass on. But he's telling you here, this area of the river of Arnon, about halfway down the Dead Sea, there's a river called Arnon that goes out. And out on that Arnon is a, a town called Aurora. And that's what he's talking about. Moses says, from there, all the way up to Mount Hermon, which is above Galilee, He says, we have got the whole side, the east side. God gave them the land. They took it from the Amorites. They took it from them. And they're going to cross into the promised land. I wanted to tell you that because I'm going to tell you something. When God declares it's going to happen, it's going to happen. When God's promise is something, God's going to make it come true. Do you think that younger generation is any better than any rest of us? No, we're just people. But if we'll keep our faith in him, and we'll keep listening to the word. See, God sent the word to come on through Moses to bring it to the next generation. I don't want you casually walking in there and thinking you can take over. No, you're taking it over because I declare it's your land. I give it to you. Moses recaps and commits the law and the covenant. To the generation that will enter the promised land. And that's what he's doing here. And this part of Pisgah. I know Pisgah. I was living in Pisgah when I was reading this the other day. I was sitting up there waiting waiting to get a haircut. And it says the springs of Pisgah. And that's somewhere off of Mount Nebo which is east of the Jordan. It's northeast of the Dead Sea. And I thought all of these places here. But God knew exactly what he was doing. Long time ago, God knew exactly how to align things. He knew exactly where they were at and what they were going to do. How many knows it took God to cross them over and to win the victory? It took God to bring them into Jericho and walk around the wall and they come down. God was getting ready to do a great and mighty work. And Israel's name would be known everywhere. After they had been in bondage for 400 years, all the nations around there would be fearful of. God was doing a mighty work. That's all I'm going to talk about that. Okay, I'm going on. But I want you to hear it, because why? As God worked for them, God's working for you. As God has worked for those generations, he's trying to work with this generation. All you have to do is believe and receive what he is saying. In John 16, I'm going to read one verse. It says, these things, Jesus said, talking to his disciples, these things I have spoken to you that have peace. In the world, you'll have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. How many knows who the overcomer is? See, listen to me. We cannot overcome without Jesus. If you've got our Christ inside of you, you've got the overcomer in you. But you got to hold on to him, talk to him, love him, learn of him, pray to him, praise him, worship him. Come and get a hold of him, and don't let nobody tell you to be quiet about it. Get loud for Jesus. Is that terrible? Some, was it? Bobby said it. Somebody said it. Don't be ashamed to praise God. He changed my life. Why wouldn't I be afraid? afraid to say that he changed my life Amen. he's real inside of me he's alive inside of me he speaks to me not audibly like sometimes you you and i would talk but sometimes that's exactly the conversation he'll talk he'll just say simple things to me and when i read overcome overcome slap me right in the forehead you know what that's what's wrong we need to be overcomers God was telling me, be an overcomer. Don't sit back and listen to the lies of the enemy. He'll lie and make you afraid. He'll make you doubt everything that God has said. Get it inside of your heart. Put it inside of you and, and tell yourself, I have an overcomer inside of me. That's, me that's mine. That was been given to me. And I'm not talking about me, I'm talking about Christians. Every, Christian, every time you receive Christ, you receive the Spirit of God that comes inside of you. John, the next chapter, John 17. Listen to what he said in verse 14. I have given them thy word, Jesus said, and the world hath hated them. Because they're not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. I pray not that you'll take them out of the world. Sometimes we don't feel like we belong here. But can I tell you something? God don't want to remove you. You might say, i just like to get out of here. I'd like to go on vacation, get away from everything. You know what? I don't want to get away from what God wants. See, I need what God wants. It's more important than anything else I do. And if God's in me, he don't, God don't want to take me out. He wants. Jesus said he wants to keep you right here. He wants to put you in the middle of this storms of life. You say I don't like them storm no I don't like them either Jesus didn't like them itself but the truth is he went through them for you and I it says here I pray not you'll take them out of the world but that thou shalt keep them from the evil they are not of the world even as I'm not of the world sanctify them through thy truth thy word is truth that's why you need to come to Sunday school that's why you need to hear the Bible you need to hear the word of God daily inside of you you hear what I'm telling you? Listen to the voice of God through the Word of God because that Word is truth. And if we don't keep the truth mo- mo- moving through us, guess what's going to get in there? Lies and doubts. You think the enemy ain't waiting to get back in? He will. It says, as thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself. Sanctify means set apart. Hey, Jesus said, I set myself apart for your sake. Jesus never committed a sin. You and I have committed the sins. But Jesus didn't commit, but he set himself aside, apart for the gospel, for the truth, that you and I could have salvation through his sacrifice. It says, and for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Now I'm going to skip back over to my other side here. I messed this up last night, so I have to rearrange it. Romans 8.35. Listen to this. You've heard it all your life. You've heard most of these things. But I want you to get this inside of you. I want you to walk out of here saying, I am an overcomer. I know who it is I serve. I know who it is that saved me and set me free. I know who it was that lifted the burden of my sins away. I know who that was. But he says, and Paul said it in Romans 8.35, he says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Then listen to this. Nay, in all things we are more than conquerors. More than conquerors. Who? How? Through him who loved us. We're more than conquerors through our Savior. Listen to me, don't live like you're not a conqueror. Don't live in defeat. And I'm not trying to puff your head up. I'm trying to tell you get where it's at. Don't get somebody's book on telling you how to be a a positive thinker. No, I got to admit to myself, I got weaknesses. I don't know about you, Elizabeth, we all got weaknesses. We come up short. We don't always do things. Like, I think some people look at me and say, you ought to do this and you ought to do that. If I was a pastor, I'd do that. i said, well, praise God. I pray God, I'll call you. But the truth is, God just gives me what he gives me. And you get the short end of it sometimes. And I'm sorry. But see, I'm not perfect. I'm working on this. God's working on me to help me to be the very best that I can be. He did that as a father. He did that as a husband. And I, he's doing, trying to do that as a grandfather. And I ain't measuring up all the way. But God's still working on me. And I know where he's at. And I know when he tells me to do things that are the right things to do. In 1 John 4, 4, one verse. He says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Scriptures you've heard all your life. But see, you got to understand, you got to believe that he's greater in you or you won't be an overcomer. The devil will back you right down. The world will back you right down. I've had guys to tell me, oh, that stuff's in your head. Your parents must have fed you a bunch of stuff. I had a guy tell me that one time at work. I claimed to be my friend. But he told me, oh, that's just something your parents fed you. And I thought, first thing come to my mind, If you knew Jesus, you wouldn't have said that. If you knew Jesus, you'd know it ain't me. And it ain't what I'm saying. It's what he is. And if you knew him, you couldn't say that. Because, see, I know where all the faults are They're here. They're not in Christ. They're in me. And they're in you. And that's why we need him. America needs him. For us to overcome... We need Jesus. It ain't never changed. It's what it's going to be. Now I'm going to turn to Re- uh, Revelation 2. And I'm going to skip through this because I told my wife I had too many pages. I know you don't believe that. but In Revelation 2, Jesus began to talk to the churches. Why did he talk to the churches? Now I want you to understand this. Even though some people puts these all, like the Laodicea Church is the last church, and that's probably got some truth in it. There's a time and a place for each one of these churches, but there's also seven churches, and churches today fit in these categories. There are many things in these seven churches that if you keep reading them, you'll understand that God's dealing with different churches different ways. Jesus is coming right in the time that he's getting ready to come forth with the tribulation time, and he's warning the churches. I mean, here's what I'm saying. Jesus spoke these words, and he warned the churches. Now, he can, we can warn the world that Jesus is coming, but why would Jesus warn the churches? Because they need to get their act together. I mean, here's what I'm saying. You need to be the overcomer yourself. The first church he spoke to was Ephesus. I'd like to tell you all their faults, but I'm not going to. you have to read it yourself. But I'm going to read verse 7. Verse 7 says, He that hears... He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit said to the churches. To him that overcomes, will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the the paradise of God. I don't know about you, but I want to eat of the tree of life. I want to be in heaven when it's over. And he's telling this church, whatever their faults were, they left their first love, whatever their faults were, he says, repent and come back. And to him that overcomes, praise God. Are you going to be an overcomer? Amen. Because that's what he's calling the churches to do. Rise up and overcome. I refuse to tell the, tell, let the devil tell me. That my children's not going to live right. That my grandchildren's not going to live right. That my friends are going to die and go to hell. I refuse. I keep praying for them. I keep speaking things. And I keep waiting upon God to do what he does best. Because see, nobody could make me live right. Somebody just prayed for me. And somebody just encouraged me at the right times. And then it was the Holy Spirit that hit me when I got into church. And sometimes you do only have to get into church. All of a sudden you fall under conviction. You realize I've never been saved. I'm lost and I'll die and go to hell because I don't deserve nothing but hell. Because it's not nothing I've done that can earn heaven. I have sinned and come short and I need the Savior. The next church he talks to is the Smyrna. And he says to them in verse 11, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. He that overcomes shall not be hurt of the second death. What's the second death? Listen to me. The second death is when you have refused Christ. If you refuse Christ and you go into the time of this tribulation and you still refuse Christ, You're going to face the second death. What is that? That's the separation from God. And there won't be no reprieve. There won't be no repentance. You're turning yourself over and turning away from God. You reject everything he sends your way. You reject his salvation. He's warning the churches. He's not warning the outside. He's warning the inside. He's telling you. Let's go to the next church, Pergamus. The next church is down at about verse 16. It says, Repent, or else I will come and to thee quickly, and I will fight against thee with the sword of my mouth. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit said to the churches. To him that overcomes will I give to him give to eat of the hidden manna and I will give him a a white stone and in the stone a new name written which no man knows saving he that received it. That tells you you're going to get a new name. Church, you got a victory coming. I want to be on the victory side. I don't want to lead this life and say I don't know if I'm going to make it or not. I want to know where my faith is. I want to know where my belief is. I want to know that I know the one that called my name. I was thinking about little Isabel. thought about getting her to sing that. He knows my name and the kids. Because see, he knows your name. If you've accepted him, you keep telling yourself, and the devil keeps helping you tell yourself, I just can't live it. I can't do good enough. I just can't make it. But see, that's the devil. He's a liar. Jesus has said, be an overcomer. Get a hold of it. Ain't you? It's him him in you. He's the overcomer inside of you. The next church is Thyatira. I don't know if I'm saying he's right. That's what I see on it. In Revelation 2, down at verse 26... And he that overcomes and keeps my word unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. As the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers. Even as I received of my Father, I will give him the morning star. More or less when the sun comes up, when the morning comes up, you're going to have victory. You're going to have power. We're going to help reign and rule with Christ. How many knows every one of these churches, he's telling them to overcome? And he's telling them the reward you'll get if you overcome. Listen to the next one, Sardis. This is chapter 3, verse 3, or verse 5. He says, he that overcome, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot his name out of the book of life. See, some people think that can't happen. Some people says once you get saved, you can never lose it. But this says here, I'll blot your name, his name, out of the book of life. But I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He that overcomes. He that overcomes, the same should be clothed in white raiment. And I'll not blot his name in. What's he saying? He's saying that you have to stay away from defiled garments. Quit putting on stuff that don't belong on a Christian. Quit wearing it around this world and act like I'm free to do whatever I want. Yes, you are. But you're not going to ever be an overcomer. He's not going to be able to rise up inside of you and be victory in your life if you don't listen to what he's telling you. He's warning the churches to overcome. Put on the right garment. Put on the white garment. Put on a pure garment. Quit putting on the, the false things of this world. There is temptation in everything going. It's temptation to get rich. There's temptations for the lust of things. There's temptations for everything. The devil's working overtime. He knows he has a short time. And all God's asking you to do is believe what Jesus did 2,000 years ago for you. He laid down his life and died an innocent person for your sins to pay your price. You can overcome through him. Philadelphia's a sixth church. It says, and to him that overcome will I make him a pillar in the temple of my God and he shall, go, he shall go no more out and I will write upon him the name of my God, the name of the city of my God which is New Jerusalem will come down out of heaven from God and I'll write upon him my new name. Philadelphia, they were called the church that had little strength. Yet, he's telling them, overcome, hold on. You know what? Some If you take the time-wise and look at Philadelphia, they're the, they're the sixth church. And you could say, if that was a timeline and Laodicea, the next is the last, and that's the day that we live in, the generation of time we live in. Of that Laodicean church then you would think that church before them was a church of little of little strength but can I tell you something? our strengths in him and when we keep saying to ourselves we are of little strength we can't do anything without him but he is not going to do anything that's against his will so hear what I'm telling you you can rise up and I see ministries rising up, and they claim all kinds of stuff. They claim all these healings. They claim everything in the world. And praise God, I know God's a healer. Praise God, God will move. But God will move through one person sometimes or sometimes through a church that believes the healing and walks up and, and asks God for it without any recourse, without any, uh, any identification on somebody, patting them on the head saying, man, you're a healer. You know what? God don't need your attention. He's not going to share that attention. He says, your glory will go to me or it won't be happening. And I believe God has pulled back in this generation because we're half in and half out most of the time. Sorry to say. You know what? I'll give one thing to the last generation. They went to church regular. Sorry. I'm not going to look at none of you. But I'm going to tell you something. They were in church all the time. When the doors were open, that was dirt church. And everything that happened was for them, and they knew it. So they did everything they could to bend everything they could to be there. Why? Because Bible study was important. Prayers were important. Whatever God had given the teacher was important. Be there. Because, see, it feeds the soul. It feeds the heart. It helps this overcoming power to arise. Boy, when I get a hold of the overcoming words of Christ... They help me overcome the rest of the week. Don't you hear what I'm saying? I'm not trying to pick at you. I'm not trying to win some award here at this church for some kind of amount of people that comes. I ain't interested in that. I'm interested in that we make it home and that we be overcomers today. The last church, Laodicea Church. To him that overcome will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also am overcome and have sat down with my Father in his throne. You believe that? You believe you're going to be up there at the throne of God? I believe it. See, I believe we're the twenty elders in Revelation that's going to stand there and watch Jesus come because he's worthy and take the scroll out. He's the only one worthy to open up the seals and to bring judgment upon this world for all the wickedness. He'll bring judgment upon Satan. Listen to the next verse. It's not not there. It's on down in the 12th chapter of Revelation. This is the time when Satan's cast out. He gets cast out of heaven in the 12th chapter. And I want you to listen to it. Twelfth chapter Revelation verse ten, and I heard a vo- uh, heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength, and the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ. For the accuser of the brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God, day and night. Now who's he talking to? He's talking about those that has died in the tribulation. Because when we read this a few weeks ago, if you was here on Sunday night, it was uh, the four horsemen that came out, six, the six seals that were broken. We talked about them. And you know how many thousands and thousands of people died during that time? And that's not even the hard trip. That's not the great tribulation. That's the beginning of the tribulation. We think this plague is something. This plague is Nothing. We think this sickness is not something. But when you read what the horsemen are turned loose, when it's opened up and turned loose, why? Because God is bringing judgment on those that refuse him. And are trying to destroy and control what he owns. He runs this life. He owns this life. He's the waymaker. maker. He's the savior. He goes on to say, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives until the death. That's what, and it's talking about these tribulation saints. See, if you're not ready when Jesus comes back, like they sang about this morning, and you get left behind, the only way you're going to survive it all, if you do, is you'll probably have to give your head. You'll probably have to stand there while they tell you you will either take this mark or we will kill you. And you either have to stand there faithfully. It says they love not their life unto the death. More or less, I surrender my life. I'm not refusing Jesus Christ. You know what? If they tell me i got to refuse him, then you just have to cut my head off. I'm sorry. That's just the way it's going to have to be. But see, that's not for the church. Church is supposed to be ready to go up with Jesus. See, we're supposed to be ready. So stay ready, church. Be an overcomer now. Don't wait till the enemy tricks and traps and lures people and steals churches. And when people come to church, they don't feel no presence of God. You know how many young people says, I've tried church, there ain't nothing to it. You know why? They're doing nothing but entertaining them. They're nothing about the Spirit of God. There's no power in it. There's no source. There's no overcoming power. We need some overcoming power. We need some victory. Do you know the devil doesn't have enough drugs to destroy your life? Not with Christ. If Christ is in you, he can take that temptation away and he can destroy the enemy's stronghold on your life. He can deliver you from alcohol. He can deliver you from sex. He can deliver you from anything that's in your mind that you think that I can't get away from. See, for some reason or other, we quit taking the power of the blood of Christ. Even in, the new, even in the tribulation time, they knew it was by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Power of the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, which was, I refuse to deny it. I hold fast, and I'll overcome. And yes, you may give your flesh life, but it's not losing this life. It's losing that second life. See, if you're not ready for heaven, you're not ready to stand before God, guess what? God will say, depart from me. I never knew you. That's going to be the second death that I just read about. You don't want to be there. You don't want to face that day. And hey, let me tell you something. This is Tim Pruitt's doctrine. This is the Bible. You can read it for yourself. It's all through. I can show you the places where you can go to read it. And I'm not trying to push nothing hard or mean. I'm trying to reach out and love people. I want to help somebody escape that. Somebody prayed for me to help me escape. Myself was destroying myself. I want my way. I'll do it my way. But God saw fit to see me, and mercy stepped in. They summoned. it. I was guilty in the court, and mercy stepped in. His name is Jesus. Mercy and grace. Do you have the mercy and grace of God inside of you? Do you know he's forgiven you, and you ain't worthy of it? Do you know he's blessed your life, and you ain't worthy of it? Revelation 21, verse 7. He that overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Now, listen to this next verse. But the fearful, and the unbelieving, and the abominable, and the murderers, and the whoremongers, and the sorcerers, and the idolaters, and all, listen to this, all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. See, you're going to be separated. God's not going to come back and get you. He's not going to come back and and tell you you're lost. No. You've made your choice. And he's the one that wrote these words. This is the end of the Revelation 21 chapter. In John 10, Jesus said this, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Isn't that good? How many knows Jesus? When Jesus, when you're in his hand, nobody can pluck you out of his hand. You hear what I'm telling you? I ain't talking about you walking away. See, you can walk away and lose your salvation the way I see it. But the way I see it, there is no devil in hell can stop you if you'll keep your hand in his. If you'll keep your life in his. If he's in me and I'm in him, no way can anyone pluck him out of his hand. And then he goes on to say, my Father which gave them me is greater than all and no man's able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. God's beautiful plan of salvation gives us life eternal. He's made us victory. He's made us part of the victory in Jesus. You hear what I'm saying? You are a part of the victory. I know you don't feel like it. I don't feel like I'm some saint. We're we're called saints in the Bible. But I don't feel like a saint. I feel like, Lord, help me walk one day at a time. Help me to die to myself every day. Becky, come on back up. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 54. So when this corruptible, now listen, this is talking about victory. So when this corruptible, that means this body that's dying shall have put on incorruption, a new body, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. How many is fearful of death? You know what? You, I realize death is a... I, I, I told you before, I hate MRIs. I've had so many MRIs on my back and my head and all this other stuff, and I feel like I'm going right into hell when they're sticking me in that hole because when I go in there, my shoulders go like this, and I'm going in that, looks like one of those compression sleeves, you know? Because I I don't fit too good. They don't make them any bigger. And I hate those things. I think, my goodness, it's like hell. It's like going down in a hole. All I feel is a little air on my feet. It's sticking out at the bottom. It got me way back in there. But I told my wife one day, if that's what I have to go through to get to the door that goes into eternity, I'll go through it. The devil might try to scare me to death to go through that. But can I tell you something? There's victory right on the other side of death's door. Don't you let death scare you one day. You hear me? We have victory in Jesus. He has already defeated death. You ain't got no other religion anywhere that can give you that. Jesus Christ defeated death. He was dead. They watched him be beaten. They watched him swell up. They watched him, all of the things they'd done to him. And they destroyed him and killed his body and put it in a grave. And three days later, he arose from the dead. And victory. How many, here's what I'm saying. Don't you know death doesn't have no hold on us no more? Not as long as you're in him. You have overcoming power in him. He says, death, swallowing victory. Oh death, where's thy sting? Oh grave, where's thy victory? The sting of death is sin. Uh oh. If you've got sin in your life, listen to me. You need to confess your sin. Because the sting of the death that you're, a fo- you're facing, the only way that you have victory is remove the sin. Because the strength of sin comes from the law. The law says if you're guilty, you're guilty. See, you go in there without Jesus, and you go into that court he sung about, the mercy, and mercy ain't there to step up, guess what? You're in trouble. Because the law says you're guilty. But thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Philippians one twenty one says, "For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain." I mean, here's that. Hey. To live here is Christ, but for me to die would be a gain. I'm going to get better things when I go through this death door i'm going to do eternity with jesus forever never death no more hurt no more pain no more suffering no more separation from my loved ones if they're there i'll be there for eternity and i have a right to stand at the throne of god and to see the glorious celebration that's going on because i'm a part of the family of god and they'll be singing and swaying and they'll be shouting I don't know what harps and instruments are all going to be played but it's going to be beautiful and it'll be worth whatever we go through in this life for whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world this is the victory that overcomes the world even our faith do you have faith in God? do you believe in what Jesus did for you? are you living on that faith? Because, see, that's the overcoming part. I've got to have him inside of me, and I've got to feed on him because the enemy will feed me something else that will cause doubt. Who is he that overcomes the world but he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Everyone stand if you will. The word overcomes. I looked it up. The word overcome says, win the victory over, or get the better of, or to conquer, or to defeat. Don't you like to win? Do you ever watch football games or, or ball games? We used to go play softball. And what we do, we'd show up. Sometimes we'd be out there practicing. We'd look over at the other team, and we could tell how they practiced. We can tell those that look pretty sharp. Keep an eye on that guy, that guy. He's going to be trouble. Watch him when he gets up the plate. Give him a few steps back. That guy can hit the ball. You know what? You size up the enemy. I mean, here's what I'm saying. That's what they're doing all the time. But I'm telling you, we're on the victory side. No matter what the devil tells us, no matter what we go through. the conqueror where there's victory in Jesus we will get the better of what Satan is trying to do we'll win the battle because he's with us I want you to be encouraged today to be overcomers I know this is kind of a simple message I don't like to preach messages that's constantly warning and fearful because I've read them I can't help but preach it because I can tell you right now, this whole Bible is full of warnings. It'll warn you and warn you and warn you. But what he's telling you is, I've sent you the victory. I've sent you the overcomer. Grab a hold of him. Hold on to him. He's more important than anything you've got in your life. He's more important than every dollar you've got in the bank. things could happen. And I kept saying to myself, God, what's wrong with this? Why is this happening? It's my right knee, back of my knee, and I I couldn't couldn't get no relief. I sat on the couch for a few minutes, tried to get up and go to bed, and I couldn't hardly walk. The next day, I still had trouble with it. And I finally told Shirley, I said, I got to go to the doctor. I got to see what's going on. I go to the doctor and he was worse. He said, "Oh yeah, it's probably, it's probably some kind of cyst, and uh, you're going to have to have it surgically removed." Started giving me all this stuff, and I'm, I'm thinking, you know, how the devil can put stuff down on you. I'm just walking out of there, and we, we kind of laughed at the doctor's office. But I come home, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to face this stuff again. I'm going through. Don't want to go to hospitals. Don't want to go to doctors. Don't want to deal with this stuff you know what every one of us got lives and we live and you're fighting a battle every day but you know what I did I, I, I went to that doctor and he's telling me you got to go get x-rays and all this stuff and when I when they tried to call and get me in they they put it back three or four weeks it was be way up in October before they could even see me to even get a picture of it, Didn't even see what it was and I'm thinking what am I going to do and then my doctor on the way out says yeah you might end up in emergency it, it probably will explode on you and I'm thinking, what? I was trying to grin and walk out the door, but he kept on just throwing it at me. And man, I went home, and I went out on the porch. I was trying to get my Bible, and, and I was going to go out on the porch and try to study. I sat on the front porch, and God said, call Randy Blair. And Randy, I'm, I love you, buddy, but God don't tell me that every day. So I went back in, and I called, and he wasn't home. Later on that day, he calls back. Talked to him a minute, and he said, uh, I'll talk, I'm gonna tell my wife what you said about your knee. Well, I know Iva's worked for doctors. So she called me back that night, and I'm gonna tell you something. The next morning, 10 o'clock, they had me an appointment. I went down and went through that thing, and when I got there, I was embarrassed, Iva. I walked in there, not because I had shorts on, they told me to wear shorts, but I had shorts on. but I walked in there and it was, the place was packed and they walked me right past everybody right into the doctor's office and I wasn't in there five minutes they had the x-ray already done and, and the doctor was there and there seeing me he checked it with that in a sonogram or whatever and he said you ain't got no cisk and I thought praise God and then we got to talking, coming back home. Shirley called Iba. We got to talk about this goofy diet we had started on. And we ain't been eating no carbs and stuff, trying to lose a little weight. And you know what? I think that diet's what's been hurting my legs. <laughs> but you know what? I shouted victory. I hate to tell you, I had victory. The devil was trying his best to get on my back. Isn't that, isn't that the silliest thing? I don't want to make this no big thing of me. I'm just telling you that the devil will show up every week with something that's going to just destroy you. It's going to really affect you. But see, i got to keep remembering, go back to him. And I don't know what God, what God was saying when he said, call Randy. I said, what? Call Randy Blair. I called him. You know, what? I never even thought of either. Never even thought about her being a doc, uh, doctor's sister there. I never thought about that. But I tell you what, they were so precious to me. I was embarrassed walking in and embarrassed walking out because they just, I wasn't in there 30 minutes, they had everything done. And I was supposed to wait to the end of the month to even go see what was going to be. You know what, God works things out. But you got to keep your faith in him. And you have to keep going to him. No matter what they say to you. Amen. Keep praying. Keep searching. Keep saying, Lord, I don't understand this. If you need me to go through this, Lord, I'll go through this. But I'm praying, God, for your will in my life. Listen to me. This is our walk. This is the way we live for Jesus. Devil shows up all the time. He's not going to let you sit in your easy chair. Devil don't like you there. He don't want you to feel comfortable in God. He's going to stir you up. You have to pay a price to live for Jesus. You'll have to suffer with him. Be unmovable like that one scripture says. Set it in your heart. I'm going to live for Jesus. I can put him first no matter where I'm at. Josh, you can put him first all the way on the other side of the world. You can put him first in your life. He's there. He goes before us. He knows who we are. Trust him with all of your life and everything you have. Praise God. I thank you for your patience today.